Ticket City presents Why You Go to the Game to See Georgia Southern. The play is known simply as the run. Peterson took a handoff up the middle, broke a tackle at the line of scrimmage, spins away from the next defender he meets, and he shakes off a diving tackler. 30 yards down the field, he meets another defender and literally throws him out of the way with his right arm, grabs him by the shoulder pad, and swipes him off onto the sideline. It was really so surreal because the place is going completely berserk during the run until he throws off that defender. He throws off that defender, the whole place went silent, stone silent, like an intake of breath. It was just so amazing. Nobody had ever seen it before. And then, of course, the place exploded again after they all caught their breath. Put yourself in the action with Ticket City. Visit savannahnow.com slash sports and click on tickets. Oh, he will. Adrian Peterson is taking care of things right now. Down the sideline. If he can get loose, he's gone. Illingway will score. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown. Georgia Southern. All right, Georgia Southern fans, welcome to another episode of the Georgia Southern Extra podcast. I'm Travis Jadon, the beat writer for Georgia Southern Athletics at the Savannah Morning News and savannahnow.com. It's a good day to be an Eagles fan, coming off a 41-17 win over Coastal Carolina Saturday in Conway, South Carolina. I was up there covering the game for the morning news, and it was pleasant to see the Eagles really improve in a bunch of different um, aspects and for me, the the most notable thing to come out of this game was that Georgia Southern took care of and handily beat a team that it should, uh, an inferior team in Coastal Carolina, uh, who's now five and six. They're not, uh, you know, a pushover by any means. They're not South Carolina State or an FCS team, uh, but you know, they are one of the teams that Georgia Southern has played this year that Georgia Southern should have beat, and. The Eagles went out and did just that on Saturday. Several takeaways for me um, on this bonus episode. I wanted to get to, right off the bat, some news that came from the program today. Um, after today, Sunday, after the, after the Coastal game, Devarius Bargnair, the freshman slot receiver for Georgia Southern uh, out of Orlando, Florida, is no longer with the football team. Um, noticed yesterday that we didn't see him. Um, first thing I did yesterday was look at the roster and the depth chart in the press box at Brooks Stadium, and Bargner was on there during the game and following the game. And then today you look at the Georgia Southern football roster on the school's official athletic website, and Bargner is nowhere to be found. So, you know, don't know all the specifics yet. I'm sure we'll find out Monday or Tuesday early this week what happened there but you know if you're assuming it's not a disciplinary reason but if it's not then you know it's a big loss for Georgia Southern maybe not so much this year but you know he was one of the one of the many explosive young players that Georgia Southern was looking forward to have in the next couple years um but he will no longer be with the team. We'll see what that does for Wes Kennedy at the running back slot. Uh, that's a perfect segue into what I wanted to talk about first from the Coastal game. And that was, guess who? Wes Kennedy got some touches 
in the Coastal game. And not only that, he got 10 touches total. He got two in the first drive, and he touched the ball in the very first play, offensive play of the game for Georgia Southern. Yeah, he didn't end up putting putting up monster numbers, but he obviously made an impact. I think at least that his ability to break big plays is what allowed Westfields and and Logan Wright and Monteo Garrett to have really successful days up the middle. Um, and you saw what you saw against, I want to say Arkansas State, where the dive play was open for the majority of the game against Coastal. Um, but the runs, the fields, and especially Logan Wright's 59-yard touchdown run in the third quarter, um, the runs that Fields and and Garrett and Logan Wright had off the dive play were usually coming off tackle. So, you know, it's designed to go up the middle, but the holes were were pretty pretty clear to see if you go back and watch the game you'll see them a little bit easier uh you know with the ability to pause and stop so I I thought that Wes Kennedy's touches early on kind of set the tone and set the table for the dive play and, and for Wesley Fields who ended up passing Chaz Williams for 11th all time on the Georgia Southern career rushing list uh, Fields is a, a pretty long way behind the number 10 guy. You may have heard of him, Tracy Ham. So it looks like Fields will wind up right in that number 11 spot all time uh, for his really, you know, more than solid career uh, as a Georgia Southern Eagle. Um, so congrats to Wes Fields and, and plenty more big big things coming from him uh, with one regular season game and then a probable bowl game appearance as well. But, you know, wanted to touch on Wes Kennedy since we've talked about him so much over the last two weeks. Uh, It was a clear effort on Bob the Best and Chad Lunsford's part to get him the ball early on and to get Monteo Garrett the ball early on. Several guys touched the ball extremely early in the game on those first 12 plays. Georgia Southern Gave up a, a really long 15-play drive to Coastal to start the game and then responded with a 12-play drive of their own, which ended in a Tyler Bass 44-yard field goal. Um, other takeaways from the first half, you know, the first drive for Coastal Carolina looked worrisome, um, but Lunsford said after the game that his guys on offense believed that, that they could move the ball with ease against Coastal after Georgia Southern's first drive. And if you'll remember on that 12-play scoring drive, which ended in a Bass field goal, they were moving along pretty easily, the Eagles were, uh, until a – I don't remember who it was. It was one of the interior linemen got called for a hold, which was, I thought, pretty obvious. But, uh, you know, on the whole, that first drive to respond to Coastal's 7.15-play seven-and-a-half-minute, 75-yard drive to open the game. It could have gone badly for Georgia Southern after after Coastal's opening drive, but it didn't. And, you know, I think getting Kennedy the ball early, getting Garrett the ball early, getting Fields involved, you know, really set the tone and allowed the Georgia Southern offense to kind of confirm what it had thought all week, and and, and that's that they could move the ball with ease against Coastal. They ended up doing... 
just that, rushing for 409 total yards. That's the second most in the conference this year um, behind App State's performance against somebody. I don't, I don't know who, but the point is that 409 yards rushing for Georgia Southern is exactly what you want to see if you're a Georgia Southern fan. So kudos to that offensive line and to Bob DeBess and company because the offense for Georgia Southern was rolling, uh, especially after the first quarter. Um, down 13, 13 to 10, or let's see, 13 to 3, Georgia Southern scored 38 straight points uh, before a late coastal touchdown uh, in garbage time, really. Wanted to touch on one thing, though. We just talked about the opening drives. Georgia Southern this year has not been has not been great on their opening drives, and in turn, the opponents have been pretty good against Georgia Southern on opening drives to start the game. So we're 11 games in now. Georgia Southern has scored six total points in their opening drives this year. They have more punts, seven, than they do points, six, on their opening drives. Opponents, meanwhile, have scored 27 points, and have punted only three times in 11 opening drives against the Georgia Southern defense. So, you know, when you win 41 to 17, I'm not going to harp on a lot of bad things, but that's something that kind of stuck out to me and something that, you know, we should probably keep an eye on going forward. So it's 13 to 10 Georgia Southern at the half, and then it got real ugly. Um, Logan Wright, I thought his 59-yard touchdown in the third quarter, which made it 27 to 10, basically sealed the game um, late in the third quarter and allowed Georgia Southern to get some other guys in there. It was nice to see cornerback Justin Birdsong get some reps. Uh, Grant Walker, the running back from Atlanta, got some reps along with Matt LaRoche, another running back who should figure, Walker and LaRoche really should figure pretty heavily into the Georgia Southern running game next season alongside uh, Logan Wright. So, you know, taking care of a team that you should beat early has its benefits, and Georgia Southern did that. They were able to get some other guys' reps and, more importantly, able to rest some other guys um, ahead of next week's game against the team from Atlanta. So let's get to a few odds and ends real quick, and then we'll take a couple of Twitter questions, and we'll, we'll wrap it up for this bonus episode until Wednesday. Um, just a couple of notes that have stuck out to me. These, you know, obviously, the, these things don't really have a lot of weight or you know, impact on the outcome of football games, but they were interesting to me, so I'm going to tell them to you guys. Uh, Georgia Southern this season, they won five of the first six coin tosses to start the year. They've lost four of five since. Georgia Southern, after winning yesterday, is now three and two in their all-white uniforms, all-white you know jerseys and pants with the blue helmets. They're three and two this year in those jerseys. All right, games which begin before 3 p.m., this season, Georgia Southern is 0-3. They've lost all three. Games after 3 p.m., they're 8-0. So maybe Lunsford and his team just don't bring the juice prior to 3 p.m. Uh, that's something they should probably look into, just scheduling every single game for, for 3 p.m. or later. Um, let's get to some Twitter questions from you guys. As always, I want 
your opinions. I want your thoughts on the team. I want your thoughts on the podcast, on, you know, players, plays, schemes, anything you guys think. You got questions, send them to me at Jadon Sports, J-A-U-D-O-N Sports on Twitter or email tjadon at savannahnow.com. Um, and yeah, you know, I'm, I try my best to always respond or at least toss you guys a like on Twitter. Um, but, you know, I, I'd love to hear from you guys a little more often about what your thoughts are. Um, it also makes my job a little easier so I don't have to decide what to talk about um, just randomly out of, the, out of thin air. So let's start with um, Chris at Brick McBain. Wants to know who is Georgia Southern. Um, basically wants to know if Georgia Southern is more like the team that lost to uh, Troy or... Are they more like the team that beat at beat Ark State and and then took care of business yesterday against Coastal Carolina? Well, Chris, for me, I would say the easy answer, of course, somewhere in the middle. But I, I would lean towards the team that you saw against especially Arkansas State. I think App State may have been an outlier just given the, the uh, ejection of their linebacker Jordan Fair and then the quarterback Taylor Lamb falling early on, those played a big role in, in Georgia Sun's win. It wasn't the reason they won over App, but that one's tough to analyze alongside all the other games just because of those um, factors. So I, I I would say that Georgia Southern is right around what their record suggests they are. I think Troy is a better football team than Georgia Southern. I still think that. Um, I think that. The ULM game was a slip-up, and you don't want to say that every football team you know, deserves to have a slip-up because that's not the case, but it's certainly understandable. Long season, you're dealing with 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old kids. It's certainly understandable to, to have a slip-up game, and I think that's what Louisiana Monroe was. Clemson, obviously, is a different animal, uh, one of the best teams in the country tough to judge Georgia Southern off of that game independently. So, I, Chris, to answer your question, um, in a roundabout way, I would say that Georgia Southern is an eight-win team and a legitimate eight-win team in that. Uh, Chris also wanted to know, what do we need to do next week against Georgia State other than contain Penny Hart? Penny Hart is an all-world receiver for Georgia State who's been pretty bad this year. They've lost six in a row, I think. Um, I think all Georgia Southern needs to do Saturday in Atlanta, and I'll be there uh, covering the game for you guys. I, I, I don't think they need to do anything special. I, I think they need to, once again, establish things early on that they're going to come back to. Um, and then I liked you know, the diversity in the Georgia Southern offense Saturday against Coastal was nice to see. They attempted a screen pass for, I think, the first time all year. It didn't, didn't work very well, but, you know, at least it's another wrinkle. Um, and I also, like, uh, I've liked all year the slot receivers. Um, they count as a pass, I guess, but kind of when Wirtz takes the shotgun snap where he just tosses it in front of him to a slot guy in motion, which was... The first play yesterday for Wes Kennedy. Um, I, I think 
the Georgia Southern offense against a Georgia State defense that ranks last or near last in the in the conference in almost every defensive category is going to be fine. I think Georgia Southern's offense will be fine against Georgia State without doing anything special. The Georgia Southern defense would do well to take away, uh, you know, one part of the Georgia State offense because if you do that, I think the talent alone, the talent disparity alone should serve Georgia Southern just fine. You know, nothing special against Georgia State. I don't think it's a rivalry game. You know, it, it is a rivalry game, but I don't think that the emotion surrounding the game will impact Bob DeBess's play calling or Chad Lunsford's coaching. Um, so I don't, you know, I think that if they don't beat themselves, Georgia Southern, they should win handily against Georgia State. Um, and then another Twitter comment or question from uh, Miss Birdsong, actually, Justin Birdsong's uh, mom, who is a uh, big supporter of the show and is really follows the program closely, like I'm sure most of the moms out there for Georgia Southern players do. Uh, she wanted me to clear up the bowl game situation, and, and I'll do that as quickly as I can and as succinct as I can. So there are five guaranteed bowl tie-ins for the Sunball Conference. So if there are at least five bowl-eligible teams in the Sunbelt, they will go to those five bowls. Okay, right now there's seven. Are there six bowl-eligible teams from the Sunbelt as we sit with one week to go? There could be seven after next week as Coastal Carolina is at five and six right now. So let's assume that Coastal wins. There'll be seven. What will happen is the individual bowl games will pick five teams from the Sun Belt of those seven to go to their bowl game. Georgia Southern, I can pretty much guarantee you, will be one of those five, no matter what. But... The other two teams in this scenario that are left out of those guaranteed bowl tie-ins will also have an opportunity to go to a bowl. They'll likely get chosen by another bowl game, which has at-large tie-ins, which means they're not tied into a specific conference. Um, but you know, I would say right now, with one week in the regular season to go and about a month, a little under a month away till bowl games start, I would guess that Georgia Southern plays December 15th somewhere in the state of Alabama. Um, yeah, I don't have them right in front of me right now, but there's three December 15th bowl games. Two of them are in Alabama, and one of them are in New Orleans. All three of those are Sunbelt Conference tie-ins. So if you're a Georgia Southern fan planning to attend the bowl game, I would say it's safe. It's more than safe. It's almost a guarantee at this point that Georgia Southern goes to a bowl game. So don't worry about that. If you're looking for which bowl game, I cannot tell you that just yet, but I can say with at least a little bit of confidence that Georgia Southern will likely be playing a bowl game on December 15th, probably somewhere in Alabama. Um, The third bowl game on the 15th is in New Orleans. And since Louisiana Monroe and Louisiana Lafayette are bowl eligible, I would assume at least one of those teams goes to the Louisiana bowl game. 
So uh, that is clarification for the bowl games. And then she also wanted to, Miss Birdsong also wanted to know what I thought about the huddle and the general offensive pace against Coastal Carolina. I thought Jordan Southern broke out, and it was something I watched. You know, I talked about it last week, so I'm not going to not pay attention to it when Georgia Southern shows up on the field. So it's something I kept an eye on the whole game, and several times Georgia Southern was breaking the huddle with at least 16, 17, 18, sometimes 20 seconds left on the play clock, which is nice to see. And again, I'm not asking for that all the time. I don't, you know, you don't have to do that all the time. It's just nice to not do the same exact thing every single time and break the huddle with less than 10 seconds uh, to get to the line and scan the defense. So uh, Shywerts was was good again yesterday and is now tied for the conference lead in rushing touchdowns with 12. Um, that'll do it for us on this bonus episode of Georgia Southern Extra. Appreciate you guys listening, and be sure to log on to savannahnow.com slash sports for uh, Georgia Southern Notebook on Monday evening, Tuesday after or Tuesday morning in the Savannah Morning News print edition and uh, rate, subscribe and share this podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. Thanks guys and we'll see you again on Wednesday.